So we're talking about digital tools uh, to use in, in the production of the media that I want for the course. There are equivalents that you can find for PC. Um, I use Final Cut. Final Cut is, is high-end. It's what they use for green screen things. Um, you know, the, if you look at Star Wars 1, 2, and 3, those, those things are done, uh, not largely, but in some way, shape, or form in Final Cut. Right? So it's that level of, of uh, video editing. It's, if you know what you're doing in that program, you can do remarkable things. I'm not at that level yet. I'm working on it. Um, when I need down and dirty, I just need a, a video clip quickly. Uh, it's not a lot of fade in, fade outs. It's not... I just need that clip. Sometimes I'll use iMovie. It's a little quicker. Uh, the learning curve is, is not nearly as steep as, as Final Cut. So those are my two video editing tools. And again, there are plenty of uh, equivalents on the PC side of things. iTunes works beautifully with Apple Keynote. It, I believe it also, and I've done a little bit with PowerPoint but I believe it will interact with PowerPoint as well. Not nearly as well as it does with uh, Apple's Keynote, but it, it still will work with that. Uh, Logic is where I do my music editing. And again, it's, it's Apple only, but it, it really helps. If I only want a small clip and I want to make it sound good, you can go into any clip and say, start it here, end it here, but what you're going to get is a square start and a square end which is fine if you're producing a ringtone, but if it's something that's, and I'll show you some of the presentations that I use. If you're using it you know, for a classroom presentation, you want to have a fade in, fade out on the thing. So Logic allows me to do that. Uh, not, I can't do it with iTunes. And then Audacity is a tool that I use if I want to bring something in, say a live performance that I've recorded, someone else has recorded, uh, that's in any media format. And it can come for, it can be an, a Windows file, a, a WAV file, whatever. But I can Im import that into Audacity, which is free, by the way. It's cross-platform. And you can go in and do, again, very fast editing. And for me, I use Audacity and then export it out to iTunes to finish the job. But I put in the fades and things like that in Audacity. Then I put it back into iTunes and change the file format. So those are the programs that I use. Now, when I started doing this online, there was a great deal of hit and miss. <laughs> and one of the things that I learned the hard way, because I did at least 10 lectures before I, I really figured this out, I got on a roll and just did 10 lectures in my office. Well, my office is right next to the trumpet professor's office, and it, I don't know why it didn't occur to me, but it, it should have. Um, everything that was happening over there was bleeding through into my microphone. And so they're getting my lecture and my presentation while they're hearing trumpet etudes from the uh, office next door. It's not ideal. And so all 10 of those lectures, gone, and I have to do them again. Um, I'll ask you, have you, have you guys ever had to take 
and I, I, I'll say this, I've had to do it three times, take a stop course through the DMV. Yeah, all right. So when you take, oh, cool. I'm not the only one. I gotta tell my wife this. Yeah, all right, all right. Um, so when you take that stop course, if you take it online, you know, you can go virtually slide by slide. Have you done the online one? Oh, the online one is fabulous. So I actually had Brian Wilson look at this, uh, the, the DMV site, and he said, oh yeah, we can do that. Because your other option is, all right, my Dylan lecture is over an hour. And I have to pretty much get a front to back lecture. And when I listen back to it, if, it, if I make a mistake or if I get ums or, I don't like any of that sort of thing. I have to go back and do it again, work off of, I don't work off scripts, but I have to work off of bullet pointed uh, things to keep me on task. Well, when I saw this DMV thing, I went to Brian and I said, could, could I do my class this way? He said, oh yeah, we could set it up that way. And so the next iteration that I'm going to do this summer is going to be set up so I don't have to do a straight through performance. And that's really what the lecture has turned into if you have to go front to back, it's a performance. And if it's an hour long lecture and it's something that you're gonna save and present to the students semester in semester out, you want it to be something that doesn't annoy them and certainly not something that annoys you because you have to go and listen to your own voice. I don't know if you've ever spent a whole summer listening to your own voice, it's excruciating. So you want, to, you want it to be uh, as close to correct as you can make it. So what, what I discovered was I needed to find a soundproof environment to do this. Because all of the production in the world on this audio and video does me no good if, I, if they can hear outside noises. Whether it be my trumpet colleague next door or a fire truck or my kids, whatever. I, I couldn't have any of those things. And I'm lucky because I'm a trombonist, and you'll rarely hear those two things coupled, uh, but I am a trombonist, and so my instrument is loud enough that my wife and I invested in a soundproof practice room for our basement. Saved a whole bunch of things. My marriage, uh, my neighbors storming the house, my kids, you know, all. It saved a whole bunch of things. So I've got this soundproof room in the basement, and I go down there, and that's where I do my recording. I have a mic set up. It's just, it's perfect. Yeah. And my booth at home is only four by eight. And you know, if you if you just get in there, sit down, put the laptop in front of you. I I would you can do it through the built-in mic. I would recommend get, getting a cheap USB mic that you can clip on here. You'll get a little better sound quality. You know, as long as it's, because it's not affecting the quality of the music the, the students hear in the presentation, it's only your voice. So as long as it's podcast quality with your voice, you're fine. Now, go ahead. The, the resources I'm, I'm using are, 
personnel within the, uh, the Hickson League College, Michael Reinmiller in particular, he was the first one who said, you know, I, I told him what I was doing, and he said to me, oh, jeez. He mentioned the DMV. I said, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty well versed in, in that. And he said, well, we can do that. And so he's, gonna, he's going to uh, coach me through that. Uh, but that is going to require me to hone my chops a little bit more in Final Cut because we're going to do some of it in, in the Final Cut program. Actually, my college makes it available as, for faculty, as, you know, we have a site license for it, so it's just a download. You're right, it's, it's incredibly pricey. I think it's around 700 Yeah. And that's the other thing, you know, if you have graduate students who are at all versed in this, and oftentimes you'll get them, you know, you could, you could advertise um, over at the journalism college, you might find students there who know how to use Final Cut, or in uh, film and new media. You'll find students there, graduate students, who can help you with this. But in our college, I, I, I'm lucky, we have Michael. But also, Distance Ed is, has been terrific in helping me with this. Um, in fact, I, there's no way I could have done this initially without the help of, of distance education. They were the ones who initially helped me with doing this course online on Blackboard and then trans, translating all of that to Canvas, uh, where it, it just, it's a night and day change. It's remarkable. So. What I do is get into this soundproof booth. The other thing that you have to be sure of is that you are using headphones when you do these lectures. Because, the sound, again, the sound bleed. Say I'm, I'm recording in my soundproof room and all is well and good. This sound that comes out of the speaker or my speaker in my room downstairs will bleed back into the mic. And what students will hear then is an, uh, an echo. And it's, it's a little disconcerting, and especially if it goes on for an hour. <laughs> so you need to wear headphones. You'll hear everything, but it won't go back into your microphone. The only thing that's going to go into your mic is your voice. So just trial and error things. For, for a bit there, I couldn't figure out why I was getting that, that echo. But then I thought it through, and oh, yeah, I, I've got two sound sources going into the mic. So the headphones solved that immediately. But the, I, I can't emphasize enough how important it is to get somewhere that's sound isolated and how difficult it is to find those places. We, had, we used to have one room in the School of Music, in the music library that was a soundproof room. It's gone. And those rooms are pretty pricey. My, my personal uh, soundproof practice room was about eight grand and that was about 15 years ago. Now they're anywhere from, you know, twelve to fifteen thousand dollars to set up a room of your own. For me, it made sense. It was a great tax write-off, and I really needed it. Uh, but for most people, it doesn't make sense. And if there's a place on campus you can do it, you should. 
and you'll also probably have access to the programs that you need. So these are, these are the tools to get me where I want to go. And the other issue that I had with Blackboard was I could set everything up on Blackboard, but because Blackboard didn't have any way to prevent the file from being downloaded, everything had to be set up using TechSmith Relay. And TechSmith Relay is, is wonderful for what it does, it's screen capture. But in the presentations that I was putting together, there was degradation of the video and the audio because of TechSmith Relay. Now I, I don't need to use it. In fact, I had to download it here just a moment ago, and we're recording right now using it, but I, I don't even have it on my computer generally because I can upload directly to Box, and I'll show you. Box works seamlessly with, um, with Canvas. And so here's my Box account. All right, so the Rock History course is here. And you see the size of files we have. Some of them are actually quite large. My Dylan lecture, uh, every year in my evals, I, the students um, observe that I, I like Dylan. And it, you can see that from the file size. But these, you know, Box gives you unlimited storage. And once it's there, if I want to use it again, it, it's not a matter of moving files. It's a matter of moving links. And it's, I'll show you how that works. It's really just beautiful with Canvas, how this, the way this works. So you can see I, I've loaded all these files. Now, I mentioned that in Blackboard, I had to use TechSmith. The reason for that, if I just put a QuickTime file up, which these all are, they're MP4 or M4Vs, if I just put that up on Blackboard, the students can just you know, depending on what machine you're using, either option click or whatever, and it'll download for them. And I'm working in an environment where everything that I'm using, I have to be so careful about understanding fair use because I don't want to get sued by Paul McCartney. He's going to win <laughs> every time. He has a lot more lawyers than even the university has. Uh, so I, I, don't, I don't want that material to get out. And I have it all behind this firewall. Everything, I've checked it out. I'm, I'm working within the guidelines of fair use. So what I can do with this is set it up. And if you go here, these are the links that transfer across. But if you go into this particular setting, into the advanced settings, the default has this box clicked. All I have to do is unclick that, and now users don't have the, the students don't have the option of downloading these things. That was not an option on Blackboard. I mean, if that was the only upgrade, I still would have made the move to Canvas, but it wasn't. Uh, there were so many other things. But this is a big one for me. I am not interested in having litigation brought against me. Yes, yes. Uh, it, the fact that it's behind a firewall and there's it's, it's view only, no sweat. Then I'm in I'm in good shape. 
and even to the point with some of these where I'm I'm showing documentaries, all right, and I'll show you what the students see. Actually, I'll, I'll show them to you in Canvas. These are all stored now in Box, all right. So I've got my entire course loaded here, two pages worth of files. It's all ready to go. And if if I want to update something, the course intro I always I update it every semester. Fine, I delete it from here and upload the new one when I finish. And Box is, again, it's, it's integral to what I do. And it, it's not just for the rock class, by the way. It's, it's really quite a remarkable thing. Uh, I also teach trombone, and so I have all kinds of trombone-related things on here that I store. It gets them off of my computer. I don't have to worry about it. I've got a slide that I'm going to show you some of the advantages of, of using uh, Box. Because, again, most computers you buy now that are flash uh, memory or that are, uh, uh, help me out, the hard drives are, are no longer ATA. Yeah, uh, solid state hard drives, no longer ATA hard drives. You know, I, my iTunes alone is two terabytes. And there's no way that's going to fit on my computer. I have external drives, and that's fine. I don't always want to carry them around. With Box, I don't have to. I can put anything that I want. I haven't, I, I'm not interested in uploading my entire iTunes library onto Box, but the stuff that I use for instructional purposes on a consistent basis, I put it here. And, you know, I put it into my, my uh, rock and roll file. So that works well. And by the way, these things that you see, these are my, the ones with numbers in front of them are actually my course lectures. And it's what is linked over into Canvas. No, and I'll show you in Canvas, it's, it's You'll see it right away. It's it's uh, remarkable because I can show you in iTunes what it looks like, and then I can show you in Canvas, and it, it's very close. And by the way, I have students, believe it or not, who will take the entire course on this. The Canvas app works on this. I have students who take the entire course on the phone, and they can do that. I don't recommend it. But they can do it. Um, the Canvas app is is terrific for the students. Uh, I think it still has a ways to go for for faculty. There there are some administrative things I'd like to be able to do, especially on the iPad, that I can't do yet. But we'll get there. Uh, I do most of the administrative things uh, things just on the computer. So Box really keeps me behind that firewall. It makes it easier to transfer courses from semester to semester if I want to reuse elements of the course. Um, it just makes life simpler. So the benefits of this, you have access anywhere. And if I go downstairs into the School of Music, if I don't feel like bringing the hard drive with everything on it, I can just access my Box account, as you saw me do, uh, right from whatever computer I'm using. 
or I can access it from this computer not using um, my own hard drive. I can use it on multiple devices. You know, I can, I can put files on this computer if I wish to. Uh, I can put them on a PC if I wish to. Oftentimes if I'm teaching over in Nyhart for an honors course, they have a PC set up over there. If I decide I want to use their computer, I can just access my box account and it works just fine. Um, you can use the app and it, it works well and if, it, if you don't have the app installed, you just log in. So that's not always the case. And I experimented with using Dropbox, I experimented with all kinds of different storage, even Apple's um, iCloud storage, but it, it just got terribly expensive from my end and it was still not enough. You know, the baseline, the free Apple storage, the iCloud storage is what, five gigabyte? Yeah, it's, it's pretty small. Uh, so you, you really can't use that. It's easy to share this. You just send links. I don't know if you've ever tried to email or, or uh, even Dropbox uh, a four gigabyte file. It, it's not much fun. It doesn't work very well. And so this way it's just a matter, again, of sending a link. If I, if I really want someone to be able to see, and I, frankly I very rarely use that function, but it's more convenient to do uh, than any other way. And you can create a public folder. And that's something I'm working on this summer with the rock and roll class, is to have some things where students can upload into my into the public folder. I can upload things as well. You can make things more interactive that way. So all of this is helpful, but none of it would matter if Canvas didn't integrate with Box so well. And I'll show you how that works as well. Also, as a backup, this is it's just imperative that I have this multiple redundancies of this. You know, if I have an entire rock class that took me a few years to develop, I'm going to have several redundancies because I, I know what happens to hard drives. <laughs> they, they tend to fail. And, you know, I, I don't like being reliant on carrying, for, at one point I had a 128 gigabyte, you know, flash card. I don't want to carry that around. And those are unreliable. Anyway, I'm not comfortable really with any, even an external hard drive like this over two terabytes. When they get into the three to four range, and you can get them, but the failure rate is, is greater. So I just, I don't trust them. It's, I try to stay away from just flat out bashing Blackboard because it does some things really well. But I think Canvas does them better. It lets me use native file formats. And that, that's the most important part. So I can stay away from having to, to just do screen capture of everything that I'm doing. Uh, screen capture, again, it has its place. And in, in many cases, it's, it's the only tool and it's the best tool. But for what I'm doing, I don't want to have to use uh, the screen capture. It gives me entire, I, I don't have to worry about protecting this media. It's behind a firewall. Nobody's downloading it. And I'm paranoid enough. I go in every semester and make sure that those 
little check boxes are still unchecked so that I don't have to worry about someone downloading these files. The import from semester to semester is so much faster, so much easier. Have you done this in Blackboard before where you export a course out and then it puts it on your hard drive and then you have to import it? And it's, a, it's a little chaotic. It's so much easier with Blackboard. And then the things that I'm presenting with a great deal of media just look and sound better in Canvas. So I'm going to show you a few things. Here's long as we're on the Beatles. Here's a Beatles presentation. And this is the way I want it to look, and this is the way I develop it in Keynote. Let's make sure the sound is working. And it's not. And connect it to the speaker. Yeah. All right, so, and by the way, because this, this is one of the files that has my voiceover on it, you know, that's what this is for. But you can also just play it back as a regular keynote file. So, what I want. The only thing that's better, and I'll show you, uh, is if I'm using something that I've downloaded from iTunes. Um, here's a good example. This is, a, this is a movie that I purchased. It's in full HD. And you can see the difference in how it looks, maybe. Hmm. 
Why is it going to gray screen? Oh, I'm on the Wi-Fi. And it's it's down, it's even on my computer. It's not in the cloud. I'll try it one more time. I'm gonna go from the beginning. Nope. Let me try another one. I just downloaded a Beatles thing. The new Ron Howard Beatles movie. This works. Oh, it's gray screening everything. Any idea why it would be doing that? <coughs> I don't know. We don't have airplane here, do we? Okay. Well, re regardless, it, HD do, does look better. It's the only format that looks better than what I'm using. And so a lot of these movies that I have on here will look like, oh, let me, let me pull up an example here. Something like this. Yeah, so something like this. Frankly, even that's not full HD. Uh, most of that looks as good in the keynote as it does on here. The only thing that will look better is HD. And you have to be careful with, with HD because when I first started doing this, I would rip my movies to full DV format, which made the files extraordinarily large. But then I'd play them back, and unless your, pro, your projector was really good, it didn't look good at all. You have to have a projector that will actually display HD, uh, or else you're, you're really limited by the projector. So I learned that lesson as well. I had to go back and, and develop all of my film clips so that they were in the right file format uh, and take them out of full digital video. Now, the, the good part of that is suddenly I went from having files, say my Beatles lecture, being 25 gigabytes. Now it's only four. So that part helped. It wasn't a, a big degradation, but it was enough. Oh, you know what? No, no, that wouldn't explain it either. This is still set up this way. Okay. So when I go in and do this, this is what it looks like in non-presentation form. And I set it up with clips. Now some of these slides will have multiple videos in them. Some of them will have audio files in them as well. Some of them are just just photos, but they all have some sort of and some form of media. And again, you can you can control it from the computer. And even while I'm develop when I'm putting this into the online course and I'm lecturing over this. And by the way you have a, a number of options as to how you want to present this. I've seen everything from professors who will put a video camera back there in the lecture hall and just videotape their lectures and then throw them up online. Or I could have a little box up in the corner with my face on it 
but that's just inviting abuse, so I don't do it. Uh, I just have I do a voiceover. That's my preferred way. You can do it any way you wish uh, with these presentations. And again, you can do it in PowerPoint or in, in Keynote. It just depends on what your platform is and what you're most comfortable with. I know Mac people who are more comfortable using PowerPoint. So, you know, again, the... At the time, there were lots of those sort of bands that were, you know, Laughing Joe and his medicine band, thank you, one bam Mam kind of group names, you know. Colonel Tucker's medicinal brew and compound. So I just thought, oh, well, you know, if there was a band, what would be a mad name for it? It was basically Paul's idea to, to call Pepper. He came in and said, you know, he had this song, Sergeant Pepper's Only Outstop Band. And so that's a file that I, I found in the Beatles anthology. And I found the section that I needed to explain Sergeant Pepper and put it into Final Cut, pared it down, put, you know, fade in, fade outs on it, and then set it up in Keynote to cube it in and cube it out. Uh, I, I want it to look good with an online class or even in person. If I'm trying to explain what a revolutionary album Sgt. Pepper's is, and then I show them something that looks terrible and sounds terrible, I don't even think it's revolutionary at all. Kids are used to media Students are used to media looking and sounding really quite good. Most of it's HD. Now, the other side of that is they're also used to YouTube. And YouTube stuff is all over the map. <coughs> some of it is wonderful. Some of it is just, I, I, I can't listen to it. Oftentimes, I'll find out that my students' only point of reference in listening to classical music is on YouTube, which drives me crazy because we have Naxos, we have a music library full of CDs. There are many ways they could listen to this and have better fidelity. So this is ultimately where I want things to go. And Canvas, let me get back there now. Canvas allows me to take all of that work that I enjoyed doing and make it pay off and make it look good. So this is Come on. They just added all of the fall courses and the summer courses to Canvas. But here is, so this is my fall rock class. This is the one I'm in now. These are my two summer courses. Uh, so the course I'm in now is this. And you go to the modules. And this is the way I have it set up. So. In Canvas, I put the video files. I also print out a PDF when I do the video files in Keynote. It'll, it has a, a print function and I can print as PDF. And so they get the slides so that they don't have to feel like they have to furiously take notes. They can actually pay attention while the lecture is going on and then go back to the PDFs and see the notes. And then it's presented in, in four sections. So here's part one. After each lecture, there's a short 10-point, 5-point lecture exam. And then there's the larger exam over the whole part one. Part two, same sort of thing. Um, now, in addition to that, we have these documentary videos that I want them to see. Part of, a, a great deal of it is this PBS History of Rock series, 
which is long out of print. The last time it was available in print was on VHS. <laughs> and it was, it was really difficult to, to get it over to digital format. It was back in our call when we still had, um, what was that called over there? The New Media Center in our call. I was able to go over with all of those VHS tapes, transfer them into digital. Uh, there was a bit of degradation, but it's, it's not too bad. Uh, they're still worth it because the content is so good. But one of the reasons it was never developed past VHS was they couldn't get a renewal of the licenses for all the songs. And it's sometimes in, in rock and roll and in pop music, it's really difficult to do that. There are certain films, I'll go into the fourth section, like this one. Oh, where is it? No, third section. They're called The Wrecking Crew, where this, this film took years to come out because I couldn't get permissions for it. So I, I want them to be able to see these things, but it has to be behind this firewall. And this, you know, say they click on this, this is what they're going to see. It'll show up like this. They hit play, and they can watch it in this size window if they, if they wish. This is linked from Box. Uh, these these videos these videos that I put in here are not HD. Nope, they are they are M4V or MP4 format, but they are still QuickTime videos. They're not TechSmith screen capture videos, and they do look different and better. Now here's the part that I like is they have the option to do this. And, all right, so we can get further into the movie. This led to a surge of work for the L.A. studio musicians. Not all of them, but a small group who later became known as the Wrecking Crew. It wasn't an organized band of musicians Again, that set out to take this over is not, and I can't tell you exactly. This is not an embedded video. This is actually linked to Box. And again, if a student chooses to do the course on the phone, they're going to go through a lot of data if they're not on Wi-Fi, but they can do it. Uh, the cellular data, it buffers well enough through Box that it's not a problem. But you can see that, and I'll show you this actually, you can see with the modules, the, the Beatles lecture that I just showed to you uh, starts out the exact same way, and you can see that there's very little, if any, degrading of the video or the audio. Sometimes it does, this is a little oddity, sometimes it'll do that, and it'll take a reboot to get it to full screen, but there it is. Now to one of my favorite lectures, 
So this is this is and my one of my students pointed this out. This is one of my fixes over the summer. My voice is too is too soft, and I need to bump up my mic settings. When I was listening to it on headphones, it didn't seem to be a problem, but it is when they're listening to it. So here's this marks the beginning of the Beatles. Here's what it looks like. I did that with TechSmith, it didn't look that good. It was grainy, it was, it was slow. If I wanted to skip ahead in the movie or in the lecture, I couldn't do it because it wouldn't buffer well enough. Now it, it works very well. And again, it's, it's because it's coming from Box and it's saving you in the original file format. Now, I told you about uh, moving courses. Say I want to take this, go back to the dashboard, and this is, this is one of the pretty cool features of Canvas, is you go back to the dashboard and it has all of my courses listed. Um, I color code them because I have, these are all things that I'm teaching right now. The yellow ones are my rock history courses. So say I want to set up my fall course and I want to pull it directly from, from the, uh, the course that I'm using. So. I can go in under settings and I can import content over here into this course. It'll ask me what I want to do. I'm going to copy a Canvas course. It asks me which one. And it'll ask me do I want all of it or do I, want to, do I want to select it? All right, and generally I choose this one and then adjust from there, but you can do either way. Um, you hit import, and because you're not importing the files themselves, you're just importing links, it's almost instantaneous. You get an email and it says it's done. And that's how easy this is. All right. Uh, you can use adjusted events and due dates. I generally don't. I want to make sure. It's almost more work sometimes to go in and, and have to figure out because it doesn't account for breaks and things like that. It's almost easier to just go in and put the due dates and events like fall break or, or Thanksgiving break into the calendar off of the syllabus. So you hit import and it's set up. Now this is all under the settings format. And if I go back to this, right, so you can see, I don't know if they do, no, they, I have 31 so far enrolled for fall. It'll be in the four to 600 range by the time the course actually is published. This is another really nice thing about Canvas is right now, students can't see this until I hit this button over here that says publish. All right, if I go back to this, 
And actually, I, I've set my first summer course up because I want them to be able to see the syllabus and know which textbooks they're going to use. Uh, I've set this up and it's published, right? But as soon as I hit this button, now it's unpublished, they can't see it. It's, it's as simple as that. And I can publish it and it's, it's back up again. You can do that with the entire course. You can also do that with individual modules. So say you're in the middle of teaching the course, and you've got all of this ready to go, you've got all this ready to go, you're not quite ready for this, you can unpublish this section and just leave it until you're ready to, to put it online. It's, it's as simple as that. Uh, you can edit these things. So I keep this locked until, what I do with the course is until they're finished with the exam for the first part, I lock down the second part. Because I've had students email me and, and ask, can I just do the whole course in you know, two or three weeks? No. <laughs> I don't want them to do that. I, I actually, time is my control mechanism on this. So I want to use these lockdown features. And it works, it's easy and it works well. So when you're done with it, you just hit update. Sorry, I lost my cursor. You hit update, or in this case, I'm going to cancel a lot of it, and you're all set. So Canvas has an email or a, a messaging system where if I want to send a message, it's, you don't have to go into an individual course up on the dashboard. You pick them from this menu. So if I want to email my entire History of Rock class for this spring, I do this, I do this, and select students, and there we go. So I will also get the emails that I get in here in the settings, I also had it send it through my regular email account, so I get them twice, just so I don't miss anything. All right, so there are all, all number of settings that you can use in Canvas to make this very user-friendly. And one of the things that I've discovered, especially with the online course, is if I don't get back to students in a timely fashion, uh, they're at a disadvantage. And so I, if they have a problem, I want to know about it. That being said, when I go back and think about giving exams in Blackboard, when I'd have 300 students, every exam, I would have 20 to 30 percent of the exams crash and I'd have to go in and manually reset them all. I just gave exam three. Actually, this whole semester, we're through exam three now um, in the course, and I have had a grand total of two exams crash this whole semester, and it was because of equipment failures on their side. It was not due to Canvas. So that, I mean, that's made my life so much easier. The old idea of Blackboard where I had to, to um, stay up until whatever hour of the night and make sure that things didn't crash and I didn't have to reset it, uh, those days are over, which is great. But what, what drew me to this is, again, I could integrate all of this, because it's a rock class, but I, I suspect for any class, I can import all of this stuff that I've made look good and sound good, all of this multimedia, including photos, including everything. And 
upload it into, into Box, link it through Canvas, and we're set. And it, it does what I want it to do. It is so much more efficient with my time than Blackboard was. And the fact that we are transitioning out of Blackboard by this time next year? Yeah. So fall 2018 is the last, is, is Canvas. So, uh, I, I've been sold on Canvas since the beginning, and I, I think it's, it's so much easier for faculty to use, and it's easy to set up. Um, there are just, I don't, I don't see any downsides to Canvas at this point. Um, and again, I, I'm not going to bash Blackboard, but there were plenty of things that just were more work for me. So. Do you have any questions about any of this? And my advice is get someone to set up what they call a sandbox for you and just go in and start working in it. You know, it, it, it's easy. Once you get into it and start to figure out the, the vernacular of Canvas, it's an easy setup. Thanks. I think we're out of time. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm almost out of battery. Thank you so much.